Hi, I'm going to be doing a cover of Little Big Town's Girl Crush, and I hope you enjoy it. I got a girl crush Hate to admit it, but I got a heart rush It ain't slowing down I'm 27 years old. Um, I live in uh, Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. Um, I am a singer. Um, I do have an EP out. It's called Glass Walls, and um, it's under the stage name of Anya. Just be normal. Like, don't treat a person with a disability as something different. You know, don't don't patronize us. We've talked about it, how society just views people with disabilities as asexual, right? They don't have any um, desires or, you know, sexual feelings of their own and they'd never want, you know, to, to do any of that. Kind of hurtful in a way, I guess, because on one hand, I've been told, you know, you can do anything and you're just like everybody else, but then on the other, I'm in my, like this little bubble. I was the only one standing at that bus stop, so, you know, perfect target, because I'm the only one there, so he walks up and he starts being super inappropriate. Um, I was totally freaked out. I think the first thing was being able to defend myself. That was what really got me interested in it. I mean, I'm a small, petite female, um, and I think just generally, whether you're male or female, you know, whoever you are, I think it's important to be able to defend yourself. She's uh, one of the few students that actually left a very noticeable bruise on me that lasted a month. And fight back. Oh, no. <laughs> oh you're not very good to fight with, though. Oh, sorry. You can't punch with them, though, very well. Oh, they're pretty hard. At least I don't have to. If I hit you in some direction, then it's going to feel. Yeah, you're very bony. Yes, just like Donnie. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry. That's okay. Oh, sorry. Oh. I genuinely am. I'm not a violent person by nature, so. You are listening to the Johnny Tiger Experience Podcast, Episode 33. Today's quote, Satisfaction is the death of desire. I am Johnny Tiger, and this is my universe.
To episode 33. This is going to be an exciting episode indeed because today I'm interviewing a very special, special, special guest. She is both a student and a good friend. She is a young lady with incredible outlook in life, a lot of positivity. She is a student in both academic and martial art, and she is an accomplished musician with one album currently on the market. Her stage name is Anya, and to find her album, search for the album name "Glass Wall," which you've already heard one of the song samples in the intro of this episode. This episode was uh, edited by very talented sound engineer Remy Chartier, whom we have interviewed prior uh, as well. So, without further ado, please help me in welcoming the very talented, beautiful, positive, insightful Anya. And we are on air with the Johnny Tiger Experience podcast with Britney Spear. Not quite, Lady Gaga. Thanks, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> Harriman Gill. I I love that name. I always said、uh, I love、uh, 
you you say a lot of people like to shorten it, but I personally always think that's a name that really calls to mind, like a medieval fantasy kind of character. Oh, thank you. I'm a huge uh, fantasy geek, so for me, that's a, a huge compliment. And and、uh, she's Harriman's、uh, got the stature of an elf too. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tiny. Yeah, she's like、uh, really tiny,、uh, but very very fierce. She is a member of the Night Strike program.、Uh, how many sessions have you attended so far? Quite、oh、a few,、boy. right?、Uh, yeah, four, five. She's、uh, one of the few students that actually left a very noticeable bruise on me that lasted a month. And yeah, so that that was、uh, that 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 was good. That was good, you know. So yeah, I, I doubt that happens very often with your students. So I was pretty proud of myself for that. Oh yeah, yeah, especially right on <laughs> right in the middle of the shin. That that hurt. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. <laughs> I I thought I could go old King Kong I, on her, just pick her up and shake her around. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work out for me. <laughs> So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.、Uh, okay, so、uh, I'm 27 years old.、Um, I live in、uh, Surrey, British Columbia, Canada.、Um, I am a singer.、Um, I do have an EP out. It's called Glass Walls, and、um, it's under the stage name of Anya. So check it out.、Uh, yeah, some. Shameless self-promotion here on Jody's podcast, but hey, that's、whatever. okay. We, good, we、right? al- I already p- I pirated the song for the、uh, oh, intro、nice. for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, you guys get to listen to a bit of that.、Um, and I'm also、um, a psychology student.、Um, I just graduated with a BA in psych and a minor in counseling, and I'm now in the music program at Capilano. So I'm doing a bunch of fun stuff and.、Um, Yeah, I'm a fantasy nerd, as I mentioned before.、Um, I love self-defense stuff, especially Johnny's workshops. Those are always a blast. And、uh, yeah, that's me. Now,、um, what's interesting with you is that、uh, your brother actually is into martial art as well, isn't he? He used to do a little bit of. Uh, I believe it was Taekwondo, but he did stop. He's he's really into hockey. He plays、uh, rep hockey, so that's his that's his main, I would say, passion. You have no idea、um, how how sad that is in like when a martial artist to hear because we lose so <laughs> many students to that. <laughs> I, yeah, ha- I I personally had three or four kids students that they when they get to eleven or twelve suddenly they don't want to take lessons anymore they want to play football. <laughs> yeah, it, it is unfortunate, but、uh, yeah, he I mean he he still loves watching fights on TV and stuff, but、uh, he's you know he's thirteen he's、uh, got some attitude now and he's like all into like you know the cool rap stuff and so it's.、Uh, <laughs> He's, when you, he's when, got all these when you say he, when you say he watched fight on TV, you mean the、uh, UFC or? Uh, yeah, but he hasn't watched them in a while. He used to, he was obsessed with、uh, WWE for the longest time when he was younger. Like he would just watch all those shows, just 
relentlessly. And even if you'd already watched some episodes, he would just rewatch. Have you ever tried to have that argument with him that WWE is fake? <laughs> yeah, I have. <laughs> How did that turn didn't out? Didn't go too well. Didn't go too well when he was younger. <laughs> Yeah, I know that feeling. I used to be a WWF fan when I was 14, and back then, if anyone was to tell me it was fake, I would challenge them to a duo. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, talk about your music uh, career. Like, how did you get started in that? Um, well, I've been singing since I was a little kid. I started when I was around seven. Um, and I took voice lessons, and I did, you know, all those things that you do when you take voice lessons. So I did, like, recitals and performances here and there. Um, and then as I got older, um, I started performing in some talent showcases here and there, uh, a couple in Burnaby and Surrey. Um, and then once I graduated high school, everything kind of came to a halt, and all my focus was on uh, post-secondary um, and then I, I started to miss music and I was like, I need to, you know, start doing some more music stuff again. So slowly, slowly, I kind of started getting back into it, um, started, you know, joining choirs again and getting back into um, singing. Um, and then um, a couple of years ago, uh, I started posting music on my SoundCloud account um, just for fun because it was something to do to pass the time. My grandma was really sick um, back then and she was in the hospital. And um, I used to look after her, uh, but since she was in the hospital, I had so much time on my hands and the house was just so empty and lonely. And I was like, what do I do with myself? So I started singing and putting up stuff. Um, and unbeknownst to me, my sister actually started sending around my music. I had no idea she was doing this and she sent it around to a few different uh, music producers and other industry people. And one of them uh, emailed back and said, you know, your sister has a lovely voice and I'd like to work with her. And uh, everything just kind of, you know, started from there. And it was, it was uh, pretty overwhelming. And, you know, that was, uh, that was basically how it all started. So uh, I went into the studio, um, met the producer, who's a really awesome guy, uh, worked with a songwriter, and uh, we wrote my debut single, Ferris Wheel, which came out uh, July of 2016. And then we worked on my EP, Glass Walls, which was released in May. And yeah. And so. what, what was the um, process like? I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people never get past the initial stage of posting on YouTube or playing on uh, a stage at a school fest or stuff like that. So I think a lot of people would be interested to know, like, what's the experience of actually recording and leading up to the release of the album? What, what's the, what was the road like? It was amazing and terrifying all at the same time. Um, everything moves really, really fast when you're in the studio. So basically what happens is you go in and you're in this little room. Um, it's all soundproof and you're standing there in front of a mic and the producer's sitting there, you know, in his, compu with his computer and 
you're singing and recording and singing and recording, and you do a lot of takes, um, so it doesn't all just happen at once. There's a lot of stops and starts and redos, and you go back a lot, and you know, you sing something, you know, ten different ways before you finally get something you really like. And um, so each each of the songs went through that process, and um, it was really cool to see, you know, just going from a scratch track and having just something like piano and vocals um, to adding everything else in, you know, all the different instruments and um, all the harmonies. Each of the harmonies was also recorded separately, all the doubles as well. So um, that that also took quite a bit of time. Um, and it's just so, so cool to see that process. Um, now, talking about releasing the music, that was the terrifying part. I mean, there's a little part of me that's really excited, you know, that you, you can't believe your stuff is going to be out there for mm-hmm. everybody to hear. And then there's the terrified part that's like, what are people going to think? And do I really want to do this? And, you know, it is going to be out there and it's going to be permanently out there. And once it's out, you can't take it back. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of feelings that go into that. Um, and it, it, it does. It takes a lot of time and a lot of work. And um, I worked with a graphic um, album artist who was amazing and did an amazing job uh, designing the album art for the EP. And that was, that was a really fun process as well. And so everything kind of came together in the end and, you know, had to give the EP some wings to let it fly and see how it did. And yeah, it's, I mean, the response I've gotten so far has been amazing, which is always awesome you always hope for that when you put something out there now for a lot of people that have been down that road uh, some have been more unfortunate that have to sink a lot of personal finances into releasing their first album and some never uh, recovered from that did you have to have did you have to face that difficulties with the finance and stuff like that it's expensive studio time is expensive um Creating the the CDs, like the physical copies, is expensive. Putting everything out for distribution is expensive. Everything costs money, so um, you really have to you you got to weigh the you know the pros against the cons. But I don't regret it because you know even if if let's say the EP doesn't get as far as I would like it to go, at least I had that experience and. You know, you don't, that's not something that comes along all the time, and not everybody gets that chance. And exactly. I'm just really grateful and happy that I got to do that. And also, you know, uh, 20 years later, 30 years later, you can say, hey, I had an album. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's like I said, right? You have that something permanent that you know is out there, and that's, and that's you, and that's a little bit of your own legacy that you get to leave behind. Now, you grow up in, from my understanding, kind of a conservative family, right? Yeah, my family, um, they're uh, from India. Uh, my my mom was born here in Vancouver. My dad's from uh, India. Um, and I had an interesting upbringing because it was a bit of a culture clash for me. So the Western culture uh, versus the more conservative Indian values. So it was always a bit of a struggle to try and balance the two and, you know, try and come to terms with both and be proud of both. So, you know, and it, it took a long time, but I can 
I can finally say that I'm proud of my Indian heritage and my Canadian heritage, and they're both part of who I am. Um, and that wasn't something that was easy to come to terms with. There were times when I was like, man, you know, I wish both my parents had just been born here and my family was all Canadian and, like, all my relatives were born here. And, uh, you know, if that had happened, then I wouldn't be who I am and I wouldn't have had all the diverse and interesting experiences that I did. I agree. I think um, coming from a multicultural background uh, or as some of the transplanted uh, individuals such as myself, I think in some ways it gives uh, our characters uh, an extra dimension that a lot of people uh, don't have and probably never will have. Mm-hmm. Now that is not to say that we are better than anyone else. I just just say that we we are we have to uh, deal with a lot more traditions and cultural backlashes and stuff like that, which uh, brings to an interesting question: uh, How was your family's reaction to you trying to uh, go into music and get things done and spend money into releasing music? Because in my culture, a lot of people, uh, before they even get their first album out, they, their family shut them down pretty much and say, you know, no one will want to listen to that. You, you, you sound okay, but, you know, that, that's a lot of money. You should be doing something more productive. Well, I had the exact opposite experience of that. My family was actually the ones who um, pushed me to do this. Um, I was actually the one who was like, I don't know, it's a good idea, I'm a little scared, I'm a little worried, and they were like, no, do it, you know, we'll support you, we'll help you. Um, without them, none of this would have happened. Like, my sister was the one who sent out my music, right? I, that wasn't me, so if she hadn't have done that, then uh, I would never have gotten in contact with the producer, and there would have been no glass walls. So it, it, it's my whole family, not just my parents and my siblings, but my aunts, uncles, cousins, um, my grandma, like everybody, the extended family, um, they, they all got together and did a launch party when Ferris Wheel first came out. And it was absolutely amazing to see that, like all that support and just, it was just unbelievable. Wow, that is amazing because a lot of yeah. people in Asian cultures end up having to fight their whole family just to get that oh, done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was... They, they were the ones behind it all, really. <laughs> Glass Walls was their project. More than it is mine, because they they really worked hard to help me get, get you know, everything together. And without their support, none of this would have been possible. Now, I know you didn't uh, actually, like, write the songs yourself, but uh, were the song or the choices or the lyrics had, uh, did they have anything to with how you feel about the world or your own personal belief and things like that? Um, yeah, actually, it's a, that's a good point that you brought up. Um, so the songs were written um, between me, uh, the producer, and the songwriter. Now, the producer and the songwriter were, you know, they were the ones who had the most to do with the songs, but the ideas were sort of mine, um, especially with uh, Glass Walls, which is the title track. 
Um, that's my favorite song um, on the album, and I wrote a, a Facebook post about it actually a while back, um, discussing what the song meant to me and you know why I have so many feelings about it. Um, I actually wrote it um, after an argument I had uh, with a family member um, about the double standards in the Indian culture and how women are viewed. Um, and um, that got me thinking about like just how, you know, we've come a really long way um, in terms of how women are treated, but we still have such a long way to go. Um, there, it's still not equal. There's still a lot of patriarchy, um, and I see that all the time, and I see it every day. But a lot of people don't, um, and many of them deny it, and they're just like, "No, no, you know, it's all good. We, we really, we've come a long way, and we're all good." And I'm like, "No, we're not." Um, so that was how Glasswall started, and it became even more meaningful because, along with how women are treated, there's also the the topic of uh, people with disabilities and I mean you also come from an Asian culture so you'll totally understand mm -hmm. um, it's very similar um, you know East Asian South Asian how people are viewed um, you know a lot of people think that you know blind people can't do anything um, they should be protected stay at home you're not allowed to go anywhere do anything uh, that kind of a thing, and there really hasn't been a lot of progress um, for that, I don't think. Uh, a lot of blind people that I know who are Indian are still very sheltered, um, you know, treated as young children, infantilized, you know what I mean, and just, yeah, it's, it's really sad to see that. That that is interesting because I remember this very distinctly had this conversation with a, a Indian taxi driver. It's almost like yeah. all the taxi drivers Indian here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, they usually are. I I remember the taxi driver said to me, uh, "I'm not even going to try to attempt to imitate the accent. I don't have uh, Clement or Remy's talent for that." But he he said to me that uh, it's it's too bad you're blind uh, because if you were in India there would be people taking taking care of you all the time you wouldn't have to uh, go out on your own you wouldn't have to work you would have a much better life and I was thinking at the time I don't know if that is a better life I don't think so yeah I agree I mean if that was me I I wouldn't want a life like that I wouldn't want somebody you know, constantly taking care of me. I have to, I've had to fight for my independence. I've had to say, no, dad, I'm going to take the bus. I'm going to go out at night. Like, I'm going to do what I want to do, right? And no, I don't need a ride. It's okay. Thank you for the offer, but I can do this on my own. And I mean, it took some pushing and my, my parents, luckily enough, were willing to give me that chance and willing to let me be independent. Um, but a lot of parents aren't, unfortunately. Well, and really yeah. what they're doing in the end is they're just, they're, they're smothering their own child and that child's going to have a stunted life, so to speak. You know, when those parents are gone, what's that child going to do? Well, and who wants to live their life being treated like a pet? Exactly. If you want a pet, go get a dog or a cat or, you know, <laughs> don't treat your children like that. 
your disabled children. Now, um, you have uh, moved into a dormitory. Uh, I remember you were still living at home not too long ago. I was, yeah. I just moved in a couple months ago. Um, I found that the commute was getting really bad from um, Surrey to uh, North Vancouver, which is where I go to school. So I tried it for a while because um, I wanted to, again, right, it's that independence. If I can maybe make it work and not have to spend the money to live, you know, in a residence facility, because that's a lot of money, too. It's not cheap. Um, then I, you know, that, that's awesome. But unfortunately, it didn't work out. It was just I was tired all the time, and my grades were suffering. So in the end, I decided to move into residence. So, no, she, she makes it sound like it's for her grade. It's, it's actually for the wild <laughs> parties and all that stuff. Uh-huh. We, we all know yeah. college life, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was a college it's, student once. <laughs> It's actually really quiet here. Um, everybody is, is, is funny. Like, I was expecting, you know, um, a lot of rowdy students and people staying up late at night, but it's so quiet here. Like, it's dead, which is kind of nice. Um, it gives, there's no distractions. I can practice, and yeah, it's great. And, I, and I'm not a partier anyway. I like being, I like having, you know, my space and my peace and quiet and, time to you know read or study or whatever do whatever I want to do so it's nice was there any uh, objection from the family when you decided to make this move no um, because they all saw my struggle of trying to commute all the time and um, you know dealing with that whole mess I think if I hadn't have tried that and just said I'm going to move out they would have been like wait a minute like you know <laughs> you might be able to commute so but yeah no they were they were supportive of that as well and again that goes back to the independence right I mean a, a lot of parents would be like no I'm not going to let my you know child with a disability move out on their own that's like the worst decision they could ever make right but uh, yeah, what, what if she yeah. burns the house down? What if? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what if she burns the house down or, you know, gets lost or... Got kidnapped you know. by someone. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah the, the list is endless. How about for yourself? Like, um, for a lot of people, moving out, finally gaining that independence is at the same time an exhilarating experience, but at the same time can be very scary and in some ways can be very sad. Uh, was there any of that going on when you first gained that independent? For the first week, it was so strange. Like, I, I was a little bit lonely because um, I'm so used to being in a house full of people. And we've got a dog, and dogs, you know, they're always there. Um, but, yeah, it was very strange. Um, but I got used to it very quickly, and I really liked it. Like, my sister was like, oh, I don't know if you're going to, you know, if you're going to like living on your own, because she's like, I found it really lonely all the time. And, um, but that's, I think that's where she and I differ. Um, she needs the company, and I don't. I'm totally fine with my own solitude. So, yeah, I mean, and I mean, I still see my family all the time. I go home every weekend, so it's not like I don't see them all. And it's not, it's not like you live 500 miles away. 
No. And, and again, it's temporary. She says it's residence. You know, in May, I'll be moving back home. So it, it still has a very temporary feel to it. Like, I don't call it home. I don't call residence home. Home is back in Surrey. This is just a temporary place that I'm staying in. Is there any plan to make this independent permanent? Um, not yet. Um, it's really expensive to move out on your own. Um, Don't I know it? And because, <laughs> yeah, and I'm a full-time student, um, so I can't afford to, you know, be in school and on my own permanently. Oh, I don't know. And, I mean, I mean and, you know, it depends on the sale of the album. You may be moving to Melbourne. Oh well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's always a possibility. So everybody, uh, make sure you buy an album because it'll help to support my uh, my independence. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's coming, people. So, of course, living on your own, cooking is not an issue. You are a, fa- a fantastic cook yourself. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, you make a pretty baker, good cookies. And I'm a, I, thank you. Yeah, baking is one of my hobbies. I love baking. Um, cooking, not so much. I don't know why. Um, I just tend to, to like baking more. See, I, I like my sweets, so I like making yummy things and then eating them right away. Which is uh, good for the rest of us that know you, because we we get to share you know something while. <laughs> yeah. We, we should just make you. Yeah, I'm sure it makes my family happy. I haven't baked in a while because I'm I'm here now, but um, for the holidays, I'm definitely going to do a lot more baking. Ne- next uh, night strike workshop, you should just uh, be the provider for the uh, lunch. I'll bring the dessert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the dessert definitely. the dessert will be the lunch. Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah. that's always the best kind of lunch. That, that would be dessert. awesome. That's a whole room of uh, martial art enthusiasts uh, getting on the sugar high. <laughs> and then I'm sure you'd give us like an extra hard workout to burn off all those extra calories we all ate. You are listening to the Johnny Tiger Experience podcast, the most chaotic and fun-filled podcast around. Hi. I am Allison, and I am here to tell you of a great way to help out your favorite podcast. Hmm, which podcast is that? Of course, this one. <laughs> Even though robot beauties like myself don't eat much, we still like to feel appreciated. Show your support by making a small monthly contribution. Go to www.patreon.com/johnnytigerexperience. Again, please visit www.patron.com slash Johnny Tiger Experience. Now, speaking of workout, you, uh, prior to Night Strike, you have not been uh, a fitness or exercise type of person. Uh, no, and I'm still not generally. I'm terrible at exercising. <laughs> So, so what attracted you to the self-defense program? Um, I think the first thing was being able to defend myself. That was what really got me interested in it. I mean, I'm a small, petite female. Um, and I think just generally, whether you're male, female, you know, whoever you are, I think it's important to be able to defend yourself. Um, so, and, and especially if you're blind, because... You know, we all live in a sighted world, which makes us a little bit more vulnerable. Um, and you know, if you're wandering around at night or whatever, it's just, 
you just you just never know what could happen. Like I've had weird experiences at bus stops and sky trains and. Oh, let's hear about that. Oh man, I don't know. If I <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I've had I, I had this one guy once, and he came up to me and he started asking me some really inappropriate questions. And funny enough, this was right after we had uh, one of our self defense workshops. Um, the, the last one we had, I think. It was that Sunday afternoon, and I was at Brick House uh, waiting to go back to Surrey. And I was the only one standing at that bus stop, so, you know, perfect target, because I'm the only one there. So he walks up, and he starts being super inappropriate. Um, I was totally freaked out. I had no idea what to do. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty, pretty freaky. Uh, luckily enough, he walked away, because... I had my phone in my hands, and I was like, "Hey, if you if he keeps you know going on calling someone," but uh, he walked away quickly enough, so I didn't have to do anything. I was just worried, like if he grabs me, <laughs> trying to remember all those things I just learned in self-defense, but uh, it didn't come to that. So pretty thankful. And so you know, that, 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 like that. That, is a, that is a real worry for a lot of instructors like myself is to, it would be our worst nightmare is for one of our students to go out there and something happened and they actually get hurt and because then it reflects badly on what we thought of our own teaching ability and you know, we would feel really bad about that. I can see that, definitely, yeah. So, kind of like sending your little birds out there and, you know, hoping they won't Well, they won't yes, kind, kind of, kind of. Because uh, especially with the current Night Strike program, we are not as regular as I wish we were. And quite often, I am not sure if people remember what they learned two months ago. Uh, and that's just it. Because I have that problem. I don't always remember right. We have workshops every few months, and uh, sometimes we forget stuff. No, uh, and try to get the workshop on every month has been a bit of a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't even want to whine about that on air. <laughs> 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 Suffice to say, I do a lot of swearing when I'm trying to organize these things. Oh yeah, I bet. So have well, I'm always up for a workshop. So. So have have you, you noticed me. that? Uh, uh, mentally, physically, that uh, learning self-defense made any difference in your life? I think so. Um, I'm more confident when I'm, you know, walking around outside. Um, I still don't like being out by myself in the dark because that's always freaky. I don't know. It just is. I think we're all conditioned to fear the dark. Um, but it does. It makes, a diff- it makes a huge difference because you, you're more sure of yourself. And you know that if something does happen, you do have some strategies that might get you out of a potentially dangerous situation. You, you know, if you were going to say you, you don't know this is different, I was going to clip that whole segment. <laughs> <laughs> that is the awesome part about being the editor of the podcast. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what your family's view on you taking part in these seminars because to some family especially Asian family they would find that not ladylike and inappropriate uh, well I think my parents are totally okay with it um, 
and again, I think it goes back to them wanting me to be more independent um, and raising my sister and I to be strong, independent women, um, which is huge. It's a huge thing in our culture because even now a lot of young girls are not, they're not raised like that, you know. It's all, it's about, you know, when you grow up and you marry into this family, you know, you got to be a daughter-in-law like this, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's still a lot of that. Your, 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 soul, your sole purpose in life is to find a husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's not how um, our parents raised us. So my dad is very vehement about, you know, education at all. You know, that, that's the most important thing. Make sure you get a really good education. And he and both our parents have really high expectations for us. Um, you know, they're not just going to be satisfied with like a two-year, three-year degree. No, you need more than that. So, um, which is good because their expectations are, are what has kept my sister and I going and what pushed us. And without that, I mean, we wouldn't be where we are today. Now, growing up, as a uh, as you said, you have you have to deal with uh, two sets of uh, stigmas: one against women, one against disabled people. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there any particularly challenging moment that you can share with the listeners uh, growing up in this kind of environment? Um, I I can't peg one particular moment. I think there are just a lot of little things that kind of stack up and make a bigger picture. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, don't let Amin do this or don't let her do that because it's not safe, it's, it's, not, it's dangerous, um, she shouldn't be there, she shouldn't be doing that. Um, thankfully, my parents ignored most of that advice. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Mom and Dad. Uh, but yeah, there, there was a lot of that. Um, and then it, it was a double stigma, right? Because not only was I a girl, I also had a disability. So not only, you know, am I supposed to be a polite, quiet, you know, good girl and follow all the rules and, you know, if I ever get married, to be a good daughter-in-law, um and never say anything against my husband's parents or never cause any drama in the family, blah, blah, blah. Um, then there's that other side of, you know, there's the, the whole disability where, wait, why would you get married in the first place? Because you have a disability and maybe getting married wouldn't be a good idea. Like, it's very, it's just very strange. No, I have to ask just uh, for fun's sake, what is your yeah. personal view on marriage? I have like, do you mean, like, what I well, think you, about marriage? Yeah, like, is it something that you think you're looking forward to? Is it something that's important to you? Uh, I think so. I mean, I've always grown up believing that if, you know, one day I, I, I want to get married and have kids, and, you know, if I never found the right person, then it wouldn't happen. But if I do, then, yeah, like, I'm open. I'm open-minded to both. And, like, a lot of my... I guess my relatives and people around me kind of tre- have always treaded very carefully around that. It's always like, oh, you know, to my sister or my cousins, oh, when you guys get married, but I've never really been included in that. So kind of hurtful in a way, I guess, because on one hand, I've been told, you know, you can do anything and you're just like everybody else. But then on the other, I'm in like, like this little bubble 
where there's this separation. There's me, and then there's and you believe all the other that girls. is to do with、uh, your disability. Yeah. There's a there's a very disturbing thing, and I want to caution. <laughs>、yeah. I want to caution all our listeners not to make that mistake. That a lot of people tend to think people, not just blind people, but people with disabilities as disability. ase- asexual. Exactly, and that's that's a huge thing.、Um, I, I mentioned previously that I was a psych major, and that was. Uh, and I've taken like some human sexuality classes, and that was the main thing we always talked about: is how society just views people with disabilities as asexual, right? They don't have any、um, desires or you know sexual feelings of their own, and they never want you know to to do any of that. Like it's, it's we are supposed、true. to be we're, like we're,、uh, we're supposed to be these、uh, these are、uh, pure angelic. Beings that have,、exactly. have no need of relationship or companionship、yeah. or physical interaction. Exactly, and that's just that's complete bullshit. Although, if anyone was to、uh, come out and watch one of the night strike、uh, seminar, you'd know that、uh, these guys anything but angelic. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They they take delight in hurting each other. Oh, you should be careful. We we might have a really big audience for our next、uh, workshop. Oh yes. Oh, <laughs> which which、uh, I have to plug that we have an upcoming fundraiser for Night Strike program in January.、Uh, believe it's January twentieth. I will update everybody when the time is closer. But we may, in fact, include a live demonstration during the event. So.、Um, You know, growing up in a circumstance like that,、uh, what was it like when you, you know, going to puberty, going to high school, and started,、uh, you know, dating and things like that? What was、uh, what was it like to to your parents? Were they receptive? Did you go out on a date once in a while, or were they? Oh no 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 dating. No. There's no such thing as dating. <laughs> There's only marriage. <laughs> so how how do you get your marriage without dating? Exactly. That's that's my question. But,、um, I don't know. You'll you'll have to ask.、Uh, you'll have to ask my parents that one. <laughs> I still don't know the answer. <laughs> um. No, but my parents are pretty traditionalist,、um, and my whole family too. So like my cousins and I.、Um, We're all kind of in that category where no, you're not allowed. To, you don't date. I mean, especially not in high school.、Um, maybe, in, maybe in university, but definitely not in high school.、Um, so that, that's、um, almost almost like that in my culture too. It's like、yeah. you're not supposed to you're not supposed to go on dates. That's a, you know, it's a, but it's so silly because how are you going to find the right person if you don't date? I don't know. I mean, my parents, my parents' generation,、um, well, mostly arranged, come from the arranged marriage,、yeah. exactly, right? So none of them have ever had that experience, and that's all they know. So, you know, how do they turn around and try and figure out something like that for their children? Because they're certainly not going to. I mean, I don't know anybody now who's getting arranged marriages, but.、Um. Going to school, have there been a lot of hardship 
trying to navigate the education system, especially post-secondary as a blind person? Oh, um, I was fairly lucky. I had some pretty good vision teachers all the way throughout. Um, there was one um, that wasn't the best. I'm not going to mention any names, obviously. But um, there was one vision teacher I had who wasn't super supportive, and I didn't always get the help I needed. Um, but the teachers um, kind of managed to fill in the gap that she left, so that was really good. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have really good teachers all the way from elementary school to high school, and I know a lot of people can't say that, so I, I know how lucky I am. Um, yeah, overall, pretty good experience with the whole academic system and, you know, doing things in an alternate way. And Both in, uh, I would say, both in the public school system and in the post-secondary one as well. That's definitely fortunate because we hear a lot of horror stories there too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I always count my lucky stars whenever I hear a story like that. What is your plan after finishing study? Like uh, you said, you said your parents have high expectation education-wise, but what what comes after that? Um, gosh, get a job <laughs> would be the would be the hope um, after all the studies are finished. Um, I mean, I'm hoping that glass walls will go somewhere, um, so that would that would be lovely. Um, I am um, trying to get into the music therapy program, um, so that's that's another goal of mine is to get that. Um, I, I really do want to become a music therapist as well. So, and uh, yeah, just a lot more singing, I guess. <laughs> school kind of school kind of you know shoves all your extra hobbies and things you like to do off to the side. I mean, especially this music program, it's so intense. I feel like I have no time for anything else. Now, uh, other than singing, you play piano? I do, yeah. I'm not the greatest. Um, I'm also learning uh, guitar right now as well. Um, so that's really fun. It's very different from the piano. <laughs> And uh, it's it's a whole new experience. It's a bit challenging because I'm so used to um, piano or voice. And um, there's a joke um, in the music program that voice students, which is what I am, um, are terrible at theory. And I think that's true. Um, we're all we're very bad counters, um, and we're just we, we lack a lot of the skills, I guess, that somebody who purely is piano player, guitar player would have, because with voice, you just you sing, right? You don't need to know all the no. nitty-gritty things. I mean, yeah. in some ways, voice is the best instrument of them all, oh, because yeah. you know, once you get control of that, it does pretty much anything you want it to. Yeah. Well, almost anything. I mean, within, within reason. Within reason, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, why music therapy? Um... Well, I love music, for one thing, um, and I also have a background in psychology and counseling, which I also really, really love. Um, so I'd have to say those are probably the two great loves in my life, other than books. Um, and chocolate. Chocolate's awesome. But, but um, you know, music therapy kind of takes those two and combines them together. So not only are you is music part of your job, but you're also 
using, you know, counseling skills um, along with that music to help people, to bring them comfort, you know, whether you're working in something like palliative care or, you know, a home for the elderly or children with autism or, um, you know, children with various disabilities. It's, you're, you're kind of a counselor and a musician rolled into one in a way. So it made me wish I didn't pick rock and roll music. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, you, what? think that would work for. If, if there's one thing I've learned so far, um, not I'm not in the program, but if there's one thing I've learned, it's that as a music therapist, you you are playing music from every genre. You have to know music from everywhere because you will inevitably end up utilizing each one of those genres in some way or another because you're, it, it depends on your patients, right, and what they like and what helps them. That will be interesting. Well, you are ready for your practicum. Let me know. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to request rap. <laughs> I, I think that's the only genre that we aren't best taught. Because a lot of people don't consider that music. No, they don't. And, and yet, it is an art form oh, on its own. It is. There's a lot of poetry that goes into rap. Like, in a way, a lot more so than with other genres of music. Because How are you with your own, uh, with music from your own tradition? I'm not very good at it. Um, I will sing, like, Hindi and Punjabi songs at, like, weddings and stuff. But other than that, I find it very difficult just because... Um, I don't speak Hindi at all, and my Punjabi is okay, um, but not to the standards where I need to be able to sing in that language. Um, and and the other thing that's difficult is I don't understand what I'm singing, right? So how do you how do you enjoy or how do you put feelings into something where you have no idea what you're singing? So I guess you wouldn't have to go through the same culture shock that I had to when I uh, came to Canada and. One thing that for myself was always a shocker was it's how free people are with bad languages in Western music and the, oh, the kind yeah. of things that would never be tolerated in Chinese music. And an Indian is the same, right? You don't see a lot of. I mean, I think it's changing a little bit more now. It's 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 Westernizing quite a bit, but you still don't have the amount of of stuff that you you would see in a you know typical North American Western type of music. So your family never uh, pressured you into going more traditional with your music? Um, a little bit. I mean, and there's still a little bit of that pressure, but I've always just, it's, it's not something I've wanted to do. You are listening to the Johnny Tiger Experience Podcast. Like more Johnny Tiger contents? Sure you do! Go to www.johnnytiger.com and there you can access the YouTube channels, get contact information, and much, much more. Thank you for listening! Now, a lot of listeners don't, wouldn't know that, but uh, Harriman is one of those uh, blind individuals that almost seems to have that 
sixth sense or extra sense that she doesn't hardly ever have to be guided by anybody, and she's、uh, very good at following just by sound. So is that basically echolocation that you're ut- utilizing? Oh gosh, I I don't see. I don't think of myself that way. I, I'm always lost. I feel like I'm bumbling around all the time, <laughs> <laughs> constantly stumbling around in a world where like everybody else is so graceful because we know exactly where they're going. Ah,、uh, no. I think it's just. I think. I mean, I lost my sight when I was about three months old. So I think a lot of it is practice. It's just it's growing up, not knowing any other way of getting around.、Um, I've never used echolocation. I mean, when I'm walking around, yeah, I'll, I'll tap my cane sometimes because you can hear the echo、um, of whether you're walking past a doorway or a solid wall. But other than that,、um, yeah, I, I I honestly can't say. I don't think it's echolocation, though. <laughs> well, whatever it is, I wish I have your ability in that because, being only having one hearing, I am totally、mm-hmm. lousy at following people. Hmm. Yeah, I I do use my ears a lot, so that that might be. Well,、why. I use my ear a lot too, but. <laughs> but I, I see, like I I would see in your case because you're only getting feedback from one side, right? So you're missing. It's like, it's like living in a、uh, it's、getting. like living in a mono world. Yeah, yeah.、Um, so like I I can see a little bit better out of my right eye than I can out of my left eye. And when I cover up my right eye, I I、uh, I lose like basically all the vision that I have. I I can see light, by the way.、Uh, for those of you who don't know,、um, but I, I lose all that. Extra vision when I cover up my right eye, and I honestly feel so lost when I do that because I'm only getting feedback out of one eye when I'm used to getting feedback out of two. So in a way, I think that's probably how it is. So that's interesting. I didn't know about、uh, about you, you having light perception in the past.、Um, another thing that always impressed me about you is your dedication in uh, traveling. Uh, When we meet, when you come out to seminar, sometimes you、uh, travel for hours.、Uh, didn't the last <laughs> seminar? Didn't you have to take three hours getting home? <laughs> It took forever to get home, but that's because there were like accidents and stuff. And yeah, the bus wasn't the, the buses were delayed. It was pretty bad.、But. Yeah, but you, you <laughs> know that there, there are there are、uh, blind people or disabled people out there that will say. I don't want to go do this. I don't want to go do that because I have to walk for twenty minutes. So well, that's, that's yeah. I, I won't. Yeah, <laughs> I won't comment. <laughs> I mean, I guess some sometimes they can't, they just physically cannot do that. But I think if you can, you should、um, maybe get some help or get some mobility skills that will enable you to to be able to do that because it's not fun being shut up and being limited. Um, I was—I mean, I was like that at one point. I never went anywhere. Like I and my my parents would be like, "You're always home." It's funny now they always say, "You're always out. Stay home." <laughs> But I used to get the opposite of that.、Um, you don't go anywhere. Like you don't do anything. You just shut up inside all the time. And that was—it was a fear of not wanting to go anywhere because I was scared of taking the bus for the longest time. Like, it terrified me. I didn't want to get on a bus. But I—I I think. I think the key is that you have to 
find something that you really, really want to do, something that, like, somewhere you really want to go that's going to push you to be like, okay, I need to, I need to learn how to get on that bus. I need to get over that fear because that's what it was for me in the end. I really wanted to go to this choir and that was what made me finally start slowly, slowly, you know, getting on the bus and then getting on the sky train and expanding my mobility skills. And now it's second nature to me. Now I don't even think about it. Now you just go and do it. You just go, yeah. And if you don't know where you're going, then you, you ask people for help. People are usually, usually, not all the time, but usually pretty good. Uh, toward you, you get, when, I try, when I try to ask for help, <laughs> they usually run away from me. Because <laughs> you're scary. <laughs> just kidding. So, um, have you ever had any... Uh, traveling-related horror stories or issues on the bus, or uh, to justify any of those earlier fear. No, actually, other than the fact that I've had to sometimes wait for hours for a bus in the freezing <laughs> cold, <laughs> which is which is really really awful. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, other than that, no. Um, most of the issues have been, um, you know, waiting. Um, I mean, sometimes you will get strange people, like on the bus with SkyTrain. You'll have people, you know. Um, there was this one guy I remember. He got on the bus and he was really drunk, and he sat down right next to me. <laughs> and um, he opened up a beer uh, on the bus, and the bus driver was like, "Who's drinking on my bus?" And uh, the guy got off like right away after that because he uh, he wanted to drink his beer, right? <laughs> so he'd rather drink his beer than stay on the bus. Um, and yeah, there was another time on the Sky Train. There was this guy who was being really rude to everyone on the train, just like really insulting. Um, you know, calling people names like you know you you faggot or like whatever, and then um, harassing like another lady. That was that was kind of freaky. Um, I was out of his line of sight, thankfully. <laughs> I was. Um, you know, on the train when you're like sitting down and you've got the like you're by the door, but there's that that block that you have, mm -hmm. so people can't really see you. You can just, and I'm small, right? So you can just shrink <laughs> right into the corner and kind of blend in. So that's what I was doing. So he didn't see me, and he got off um, a few stops before I had to get off. So that made me happy. <laughs> so there, there's definitely uh, some issues out there, but. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not as big as a fear that people can build up in their own mind. No, definitely not. I mean, and and it's going to be issues no matter what, wherever you go, right? Whether you stay at home, there's going to be issues at home too. You're out of milk, or your coffee machine's not working, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> you have to go. I, yeah, I remember the news item about the they had to recall a whole bunch of coffee machines because the uh, uh, the the coffee machines from made in China were exploding. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, so you just don't know whether you're at home or you're outside. If something's gonna happen, it'll happen, right? <laughs> so, do you have any uh, words of wisdom? Any advice for uh, people, not just blind people, but you know, people who may think, hey, I, I like to do music, I like to sing, and how, how they can uh, get ahead, how, what they should do to get to where you are? Oh, um, well, 
I don't know, I'm still figuring things out myself, so I don't know if I'm qualified to give any advice, but uh, if you if you really love what you're doing, and if you really love music, um, just go for it. Like, it could be something as simple as just, you know, um, starting to learn to play little songs on the piano, if that's something, you know, if you're, if you're terrified of playing in front of other people, just maybe record your songs instead because um, that's what I did I, I, have, I have stage right issues so I like recording things because then it then I don't have to like you know sing in front of people <laughs> it's easier to record because it's more natural and it's just you so it's easier to feel less self-conscious um, <laughs> and my voice teacher actually said an interesting thing. She said anyone can learn to sing. Like even if you're completely tone deaf, there you you can still learn to sing. Um, um, and there's this interesting theory um, that we talked about in one of my anthropology classes too, and that was that humans actually learn to sing first before we learn to speak. And I totally believe that because. I, I think singing is just one of those things that everybody has a connection to. Everybody, like, who doesn't like singing? Like, even if you, even if you think you are tone deaf, right? It's still fun to sing along to the radio or to sing along to a favorite song. So, again, like, you know, you can't like music is it. It comes naturally to everyone. Anyone can pick up an instrument um, or sit down at one and fiddle around and come up with something that's you know unique and all their own which is really cool. A lot of that is probably uh, come from when, even when we are, what do people do as babies? People sing to them. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> babies love it. Um, how about any advice to with regarding to uh, uh, people with disabilities? Any encouraging words or any advice for our sighted listeners on uh, um, interacting? With, uh, blind for people, people with disabilities, okay. For people with disabilities, I think the number one thing on my list is never, ever, ever stop fighting for your independence. Because as soon as you do, there's going to be somebody there who will, you know, start trying to take care of things, or you'll fall in, you'll fall into, you know, a rut that you cannot get out of. Because as soon as you let go of that independence it's going to be 10 times harder to try and get it back. That um, is true. That is very true. Yeah. It's just, you know, keep keep fighting for it. That's all I can say. Don't ever give up. And if if there's something you want to achieve, like, keep, keep going for it. Like, if taking the bus is your fear, right? Like, just, it's little Just maybe go, just walk to the bus stop and then come back. Like you don't have to get on that bus, but at least you took that step and you walked through the bus stop. And little by little, it will get easier. And how yeah. about for our sighted listeners uh, with regarding okay. to how to interact with other people with disability? Um, just, just be normal. Like don't treat a person with a disability as something different because we aren't. Um, you know, don't, don't patronize us. Don't don't get offended if we tell you something you don't want to hear. Whether it's no, it's okay, I don't need your help, or whether it's you know, 
there's nothing wrong with being blind. Don't pity us either. That's not, nobody wants that either. Pity is like one of the worst, honestly, experiences that you can have. Now, before we go off air, um, you want to plug your own uh, website, project, album, plug that again? Yeah. <laughs> Tell people no, where to go it, to get it. I'll take it. Uh, I'll, I'll take any time to plug, uh, any time I get to plug my stuff. Um, so, um, as I mentioned before, um, my stage name is Anya. That's A-N-Y-A. Um, and I do have a website. It's www.anyamusic.net. Um, and my EP is titled Glass Walls. Uh, it's got four songs. Um, and it's available um, anywhere you get your digital music. So whether that's iTunes, Amazon, um, Google, Spotify, Deezer, um, like literally anywhere. Um, worldwide digital distribution. So you can get it from, you know, any corner of the world. Um and yeah, I also have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash music.anya. And that's basically where um, I, I do all my updates um, and posts. I do have a Twitter and I do have an Instagram. Um, unfortunately, Instagram is not very accessible, so I don't post on there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's me and that's my stuff. And check out my music and I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> there, is there any plan for concert or uh, live uh, performance? Perhaps in the future, yeah. Um, I mean, keep an eye on my Facebook page and my Twitter for that. Um, because if I do do anything like that, that's where, that's where, you know, the updates will be, first of all. Well, I want to uh, thank you for taking time out for the interview. It, um, Really, really cool to have one of my favorite students on the podcast. Thanks. I had a great time. It was it was nice, nice a nice chat. And hopefully, you will you now through this interview sell more album. <laughs> hopefully, that would be lo- that would be lovely. All right. So. Have yourself a good rest of the day. Uh, don't eat too late. <laughs> Thanks. I'll be careful on your way home. Don't get into yeah. any fight. Yeah, I'll try not to. <laughs> and now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, my name is Kelly, and I'm here to tell you about one of the best self-defense programs I've come across. As a mother of two, I don't have a lot of spare time, so the me time I have needs to be quality and wisely spent. And after trying out various martial arts schools and self-defense programs, I settled on tactical personal protection training. This is the perfect program for women and men looking to seek self-defense training and get in shape at the same time. Within four sessions, I felt empowered and safe, and also managed to drop five pounds. Here at Tactical Personal Protection Training, we train co-ed and tackle real-life and death scenarios. The program is an ever-evolving Krav Maga-based fighting system with an intelligent mix of techniques from other martial arts such as Kali and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Karate chops, kicking men between the legs, all very cool of course. Actually disarming a gun-wielding psycho and knowing how to survive being attacked by five people at once, much, much better. 
Tactical Personal Protection. Start learning how to protect yourself and your loved ones today. For training info, visit us at tacticalpersonalprotection.com. That's tacticalpersonalprotection.com. Mention the Johnny Tiger Experience podcast to get your free session today. Up in heaven, God was having a conversation with United States presidents. He asked Bush, "So, what is it that you believe in?" And Bush replied, "I believe in free market and a strong American nation." Very well," said God. "You shall come and sit by my right hand." And then he addressed Obama. What do you believe in? Obama replied, "I believe in the power of democracy and equal rights for all." Very good," said God. "You shall sit at my left hand." And then he asked Trump, "What do you believe in?" In which Trump replied, "I believe you are sitting in my goddamn chair." <laughs> I almost spray tea all over my keyboard. <laughs> That's a good one.、Uh, was pretty new too. I never seen it until tonight. So we come to the end of another very long episode and a good interview at that. Hopefully you all had fun. I certainly did. So before we end the episode, I want to plug our very special guest website again. That is www.aniamusic.net. That's www.aniamusic.net. Go check it out. Thank you for being here as usual. Uh, any comment, feedback, send it to Johnny Tiger at shaw.ca. That's Johnny Tiger at shaw.ca. You can find me on johnnytiger.com, on YouTube as Johnny Tai or Johnny Tiger. I'm also on Facebook, Reddit, and pretty much anywhere you look. <laughs> Thank you for being here with me. I will see you guys again in the next episode. Talk to you. Don't think my words are getting through. It's like I'm always walking into, walking into glass walls. I wish that you would understand. I don't need you to hold my hand because you always walk me into, walk me into glass walls. Put 'em up, I'll break 'em down. Blow 'em up, it's gonna be loud. Smash 'em into pieces on the ground. Put 'em up, I'll break 'em down. Blow 'em up, it's gonna be loud. Smash 'em into pieces on the ground. If you wanna fight, I'll swing back. You pull me in a corner, I'ma swing back. I'm a survivor, stronger than armor. Let me go and watch me swing. Spread my wings. 
Swing back. 